The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Please go to my host page at Voice America, and you can connect with me in your favorite ways there, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. Uh, Thank you to all of you who've asked questions, suggested guests, and let me know what you think of the show. Your responses keep me inspired and charging forward with good grief. Today I'm welcoming Jules Evans. Jules describes herself as occasionally radioactive with a chance of superpowers, which she uses to fight cancer. She's the author of Shaken But Not Stirred, a chemo cocktail, and is working on several other books, including Bottoms Up, Getting Over Cancer. Jules is a contributor to to a year of living sincerely, a vlog in honor of Vanessa Blust Timeyer of the Living Sincerely Project. She videos for series Take Down Cancer close to once a day. As an activist in the fight for a breast cancer cure, Jules acts as exhibition coordinator and consultant for the SCAR Project, fashion photographer David Jay's project to bring awareness to breast cancer by exhibiting his photographs of young survivors. She facilitated a SCAR project exhibit in Cincinnati, Ohio. Jules also works with the Dragonfly Foundation, a Cincinnati organization whose mission is to bring comfort and joy to kids fighting cancer. You can find everything Jules at JulesEvans.wordpress.com. Welcome, Jules. Thank you, Cheryl. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. A little nervous, but I'm glad to be here and glad to be talking to you. Good, good. When I ran across your blog, I love these little accidents where I'm just sort of tootling around and and I come across something and I read it and it just gets right at the heart of things. I, I especially love the humor you brought to your breast cancer experience. And I I wonder if for you that is maybe very central because it seemed that way in everything I read of yours. I mean, I am a silly person if you ask anybody who knows me. (laughs) And so I think there's no other way that I can approach anything but through my funny bone, I suppose you would say. And I'm assuming that was true even before you um, dealt with breast cancer, but it must have helped a lot going through that. Yeah, I mean, and my favorite writers are humorous writers. I mean, uh, Anne Lamott is one of my favorites, and Mm -hmm. uh, I try to channel her a lot when I write. 
Do you want to tell the listeners in a little more detail the kinds of things you're doing in your work these days? Uh, Well, we just have graduated to an empty nest, which is the strangest feeling. My kids are all off in different directions. And um, so we're adjusting to that, to life after cancer, to trying to figure out, you know, writing a second book. It's a scary thing to try again. And... um, but I do, I do a lot of volunteering. I'm, I have, I'm so lucky with the life that I get and that I'm able to have time to pay forward some of the good fortune that I've been, that's been had to, that I've had during my cancer and my life. And, um, so I, I do, you know, moderate the scar project blog and I try to gather the, the stories of the girls, um, stories behind the pictures the pictures are gorgeous and they do speak for themselves but they all have stories behind the pictures and so I've been gathering in that place and and I work with David Jay as the exhibition coordinator in taking the SCAR project around in different cities and um, I work uh, a little bit with an organization that I'm really fond of here in Cincinnati called the Dragonfly Foundation and you you said their mission to bring comfort and cheer to kids fighting cancer. And that is like one of my favorite things in the world. Um, and beyond that, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, this life take part two that I get. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I uh, became an empty nester a couple years ago, so I know about that one too. It's a real change of life. So crazy. I, homesch- <laughs> I, I homeschooled my kids, so I was, you know, I had them with me every day of their life and now for them all to be like going off into the world which is so awesome and fun to watch them chase their dreams um it is an adjustment not having them around absolutely yes i i remember i feel more adjusted now a couple years in but <laughs> i remember feeling sort of like my life was over for a little while yeah um I'd really like the listeners to hear the book a bit. Could you share the part about losing your hair? Um, because um, I ha- I've actually, I don't know if I've ever read something about that part of the cancer experience. I've talked to tons of people, but it was very, um, I, I loved how you uh, told the truth with a comic twist. You know, you didn't, you, you weren't trying to soft, soft pedal the hard parts. And I appreciated that a lot. <clears throat> so would you right. share that part of the book? I think this is the part that you're wanting. Um, I've never really thought of myself as a vain person. There are some days when I don't even look at myself in the mirror to see if I have bedhead. If by chance I do catch my reflection in the mirror while brushing my teeth, it's usually before I've had my coffee in which case I carefully avoid eye contact with that person in my periphery so as not to be tricked into a pre-caffeinated conversation. It's not that I'm not a morning person exactly, it's just that I'm quiet before I've had my coffee. Now give me a glass of wine and I'll be quite chatty. Give me another and I won't stop telling you how much I love you. One thing cancer taught me was that I am or was maybe the tiniest bit vain. That and I take my coffee black. I'm not positive which it is, but at the very least, I did have a hard time going out without my hair. And I, I don't, I, I think you're not alone 
in having that feeling and also uh, maybe many people are surprised by having that feeling. Uh, the, the part of the book where you're talking about um, being kind of outed going out without your hair particularly uh, resonated with me, the sense that people knew what was going on with you, whether you wanted to share it or not. Um, yeah, I, I always found that so interesting because I was actually technically sicker when I still had my hair, and but nobody knew I was sick. I, did, I didn't even know I was sick for a while. And then when I, by the time I had lost my hair, the cancer had been removed and I was going through chemotherapy to make sure it was all removed and, and hopefully stays removed. And so then I was not technically sick, but I looked so sick. Uh-huh. And, and it, was, it was quite an uh, adjustment. Well, that's, that's sort of the paradox of it, isn't it? That you're, you're feeling fine often. Some people have symptoms, but often you don't have any, and you have to walk into feeling very sick on purpose. Yes. Uh, that's a real it's a real paradox of the cancer journey, I feel. For sure, for sure. Another thing that really strikes me is how active you stayed through all of that. Did you did you know that was somewhat unusual on your part or you know, you played tennis, you ran, you kept teaching your class. Um well, when I read uh, Lance Armstrong's book, I didn't feel like I was very active during my cancer. <laughs> But um, but I, I guess the main thing that I did was, I mean, thankfully, uh, I had already planned, planned out and plotted out the school year on the calendar down to, you know, I, was, I taught a British literature class at a, a co-op. So I had all these high school students that I was also accountable to besides my own kids. And, but luckily, that was all planned out down to the page numbers that I had them reading. And uh, so that was my main focus was just you know, keeping up with the reading, keeping up with grading assignments. And, and I tried to, I tried to have a moment each day with each of my kids. That was like my, my goal. As far as staying active physically, I did want to get back out on the tennis court, but I mean, that was a long road back. Yeah. But you, I did notice that you kind of kept trying, you know, you you didn't let it go. Um, Oh yeah. And, I, I know that that's not always possible for people. Uh, they're, they're just flattened. So you have a lot of determination, I think. And I'm guessing that comes into your work, the work you do now. Yeah? Yeah, I have determination and urgency. I mean, I, I you know, want, I wanted to, you know, you don't, once you get diagnosed, you don't know the outcome. So you just want to make every second make every moment you can with your kids. And, and part of that, making that moment was being as healthy as I could. So I had to, I had to try to stay in shape just so I had energy for them. Um, That's just such a natural place to talk about them because they seem like such a big part of your own inspiration to make something out of what happened with you. Uh, Am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, I call them my three reasons. I mean, they are definitely the best thing I've ever done in my life. Hmm. I know what you mean about that. I have three as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so, I, I, you know, I've been 
ever since we we connected, I've been kind of watching your Facebook, watching your posts. It seems as if you do a lot of running these days, marathons and such. Yes, um, I... I have a little bit of soggy feet from the chemo, so I'm not as agile on the tennis courts. And to play, to stay competitive, and I have a, a pretty s- competitive streak in me, but to stay up with my friends that I was playing with, I had to commit so much time to keeping fit and to keeping tennis fit. And um, plus, I was very clumsy after with my feet. So From neuropathy? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I kind of decided to step back. I still love tennis. I just don't get to play. Running, I can fit into 40 minutes any time of the day and get in four miles. And that turned out to be pretty magic for me because it's just one step in front of the other and um, not a lot of agility required. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, found, I, I, I learned to love it. And now I'm just like kind of a fanatic. <laughs> do you do fundraising that way or, or mostly just to keep fit? Um. Well, last year I ran five half marathons for my five-year cancerversary, and this year I'm halfway to running six half marathons for my six-year cancerversary. And I think, I think, God willing, if I to for seven, I'm here. I'm saying this out loud on your radio show, but like, <laughs> like I, I really would like to to do a full marathon, and so. I'm thinking that I'm going to put that out as my put that out to the universe right this second as a goal for next year for reaching seven years and also it will be my fifth I'll turn fifty next year so it seems like a good time to run a marathon I suppose uh huh well I I can imagine I haven't had cancer but I lived close to cancer for so long I can imagine that people that are aware of you and watch those posts who've Who've, who are dealing with cancer now, uh, it must be so inspiring. You know, that sense of seeing past what you're going through to where you could go and to see that you have energy and, and um, heart and gusto. I mean I, I mean, I hope that's the way it works for all of us, that we're just, because we're all in the same boat, adversity, whatever, it, whether it's cancer or whatever. And... You know, I'm looking on on Facebook in the morning for inspiration from my friends too, and and uh, it's kind of like, you know, be che- cheering each other on, being each other's cheerleaders. I mean, I really want to be. I love watching Taylor Swift at the Grammys, and that's who I want to be in all my friends' lives. I want to be the Taylor Swift in the front row of their life, huh. and um, so anyway, and so I try to live. I mean, I want to live in a way that leaves a a beauty mark like my friend Vanessa left with her live sincerely pledge Mm -hmm. but I also want to live you know pretty loud so my I have a record for my children I'm I'm pretty intent on that when I got diagnosed that was the first thing I thought I was just going to spend all of my time trying to make sure that if the story turned out bad for me that I would make them that they would miss me like hell and um so really that's my strategy in life is I want my kids to miss me when I'm gone. So mm-hmm. we're, that, that's all about the t- making memories, you know. I, I really like that because sometimes um, there's a sense of not wanting your kids to have pain, but that would be such a loss to them. 
Well, and you can't control that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, whether you're whether you're facing cancer or not, you can't control that. But yeah, the I idea def- that that you would want to cultivate um, something beautiful enough that it's that it's something to miss, you know, a relationship worth missing. Uh, I like that a lot. Well, I mean, like you know, we homeschooling, we turn everything into a part of what homeschooling and part of what our life is so cancer became part of our curriculum and and it opened my kids eyes up to not wasting time and to making sure that they're really living and following their dreams as much as it opened mine and Mm -hmm. because we all went through it together was my story but it was also their story yes that was very evident in your book just so evident that they that you all you all rode that together, rode the train together. Yeah. Uh, from different seats, obviously, but that you were all um, together in it. Yes, definitely. And were you hesitant to um, take them so deeply in it with you, or was that just a natural thing? Was that a change, or was that just sort of how you roll? That's how we roll, but also there was really no choice because um, – just a few years prior to my diagnosis, before I really knew anything about cancer, a, a really close friend of ours that we homeschooled with got breast cancer and she passed away. And so my kids had already walked through that and watching me lose my friend and their friends lose their mom. And so there was, and my kids were 13, 15, and 17. So they're, you know, the age of extreme awareness (laughs) yes so might as well put the cards on the table and so like we we did everything together as a family I mean we sat around the table when we had to decide what we were doing and they were a big part of the decision Mm -hmm. we're heading for our first break speeding by Listeners, you can go to goodgrief at voiceamerica.com to find links to my work and all the previous Good Grief shows. Listen up. Uh, Please write to let me know which shows you've especially enjoyed and what you'd like me to talk about in the future. To find Jules' work, go to julesevans.wordpress.com. Back after the break. your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness if you think you've seen online tv before let us surprise you VoiceAmerica.tv is online now the leader in live internet talk radio has done it again multiple channels a state-of-the-art viewing experience live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day it's exactly what you want when you want it VoiceAmerica.tv from health and wellness to business sports and everything in between discover our new world visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television VoiceAmerica.tv We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. I hope you'll take advantage of all the amazing guests I've had on the show and listen to them if you haven't heard the shows yet. You can find every show that's been on the air at the Good Grief homepage. Um, You can also find out what else I do at www.weatheringgrief.com. Today I'm talking with Jules Evans, author of Shaken But Not Stirred, A Chemo Cocktail. Uh, One thing that really was unusual in your book from my viewpoint was how detailed you were about your entire treatment. And I thought that was so, uh, took some courage and also so helpful because um, there's a tendency for people that have experienced cancer treatment to talk about that with each other, but not necessarily share at that level of detail with others. And I think it's good information to have out there. Did, was that a conscious decision or did it just seem natural to you to, to um, tell the book by, you know, observing the details? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm a very, very shy and quiet person in, in, person and um so it the book actually started out as a blog that I I had a very quiet and personal blog and then when my when everything started spinning with all the cancer I started updating there for my family family and friends just because I couldn't we couldn't take all the phone calls Uh and and um so and it became just and I love to write and it helped me. I wanted to write my own damn story about it mm-hmm. um, as far as narrate it the way I wanted to put my own spin on what I was going through. And so that's really how I write and it's really how I talk and, and really how I roll. But it was never meant to be, it wasn't meant to be a book at the beginning or even a blog that anybody but my friends and family saw. My daughter did call it out and say, Mama, you you need to make this into a book, and uh, but which was always my dream anyway to eventually write. But I thought my first book would be about homeschooling when I finished, if my kids all weren't in like counseling for growing up in my household. <laughs> but and and so far so good on that. So I'm getting ready to launch into that book. But um, yeah, but yeah, it 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 totally wasn't. It was, I totally just fell into it. And then I just rolled with it. Do people respond to that aspect of it? Because I thought it was very, um, uh, it, it moved me, it touched me, you know, to have the detail and the humor together or something about that uh, really touched a different place. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get the loveliest, you know, letters from people and Facebook messages from people about the humor helping them through really shitty places and and having somebody articulate something that they 
been going through, like the removing of the drains that you don't know about before you get diagnosed or that your head itches when the hair is about to fall out. Mm. Lots of little things that you just you just don't know. And, uh, you know, the surprises are often what upsets people, not not the the broad um, difficulties, but those little things they didn't know were coming. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's all a perspective, right? I mean, you know shit's going to happen, so it's all in. And it's not like things always roll off my back so easy because sometimes I have to, like, you know, turn something around and around to see it right or to see it in a way that I can, you know, narrate it right for my own self to cope. And But just knowing that stuff's going to happen and it, it's going to be what it's going to be. So all we can do, all we can control is how we're going to be with it. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good place to read the part of your book that's about discovering the lump, because it seems like you were uh, very real with it right away. Yeah, I think this is what you're uh, referring to. That's when I bumped up against my desk. Ouch. And felt the lump. I cannot explain the shock and awe I felt. It was like a meteor to the chest, literally. I remember the lump felt like a shooter marble right beneath the Milky Way. I'm pretty sure it wasn't there the day before. My husband, Dave, is pretty sure it wasn't there the day before. I'm sorry if that's TMI, but I don't see how we could have missed a meteor like that. I don't know how long I sat there trying to imagine what in the world the marble could be and rechecking to see if it was really there, if it was still there. Part of me thought I was imagining things, but it was still there. Part of me started imagining things. I felt the meteor again and then stared out the window for a while. My 14-year-old son, Mikey, was laying out on the driveway, gazing up at the meteor showers in the sky. I let go of my own gravity and let myself get pulled into his world for a little while, snuggling up next to him and watching the sky fall like it was a movie. That time with Mikey is etched into my soul as a perfect snapshot of not my life passing before my eyes in the dying sense, but more like a haiku capturing what it was really all about. When the meteor shower was over, I had a hard time keeping my thoughts from spiraling out of control. A sensible part of me that I had to dig way down deep for took all the other parts of me and put them to bed. I lay there not wanting to wake Dave, deciding to wait out the night, wait for him to wake, wait to see if it would just go away, wait and pray. Yes, indeed, all night, I'm sure. Um, I, I got the idea you were very hale and hearty before that moment. Did I get that right? Very healthy, very, uh, no, no health problems up to that point. No, I, I was playing on ten, three tennis teams that summer. The night that I found the lump, we had just celebrated the end of the seasons at a, at a great big bash that we had at my house, which we call the Evanshire. And yeah, I was uh, playing tennis six and seven times a week and three two, three, four, five hours a day. So I was pretty pretty in shape. So you also had to deal with kind of a change of identity. 
uh, a change in the way you saw yourself, I would imagine. Yeah, because um, I did, I mean, I'm a short person anyway, and but I had really long blonde hair. I kind of looked like the chick on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what my hair was like. And I even have some orange scrubs, even though I don't have that hair any longer. But, um, but yeah, that was it. Was a it was a big big change. And plus, I have glasses, so hats felt weird. I didn't really go for the wig um, route. I wore a bandana a lot, but mostly I wore my tennis cap. And then I just decided I didn't want any hat because I kind of got sick of hats. Just go for the bald the bald look, huh? Yeah, um, I taught, like I said, I taught a homeschool class, a British literature class, and um, the first day that I walked in with my bald head, my whole class had bandanas on in solidarity, which was super cool. They knew that was going to be the day, huh? Yeah, my son texted people. I mean, they had already planned it. I didn't know that, and uh, so it was, it was, he texted him on our way because I had kept going. I kept going upstairs to get ready, and every time I came down with a different shirt on, I was losing more hair. So we just said off with it. So we, I got got in the shower. My husband shaved it, and then he shaved his head. And my hair has kind of grown back. It's a little crazy. It's spiky do, but my husband just, um, didn't quite make it. Make the return trip to his head. <laughs> <laughs> so his solidarity ended up being permanent, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. So that's a really um, something that changed very dramatically outwardly. So yeah. instead of walking around with all this long hair, walking around with no hair. Yeah, that was crazy. And because and you know everybody knows you're sick. Yeah. Yeah, by and large. I, I try to be careful not to assume because sometimes people just shave their heads. But <laughs> by and large, that's you can you can assume that. Well, I had a beautiful moment with that, um, and I did write about it in the book, but my daughter and I were getting manicure supplies for her because she was studying to be a nail tech while she was in college. And this lady in the nail shop or whatever it was beauty shop came up to me and said hey I used to have that haircut and it just really meant a lot to me I've I've tried to pay that forward whenever I see somebody and and go break the ice with that line because that that line really worked with me it just broke the ice we had a really lovely conversation and then she like raved about my eyelashes because I still had like four eyelashes left and, <laughs> and um, I was like floating on a cloud when I left talking with her but so I don't know why I inserted that but that was a really beautiful moment well that's that's one of the beautiful things that came from the experience that's that's the connection I see that there's all these losses but there are those moments that are very beautiful where she she went out of out of herself to make contact. Yeah, and sure. there's a way that that you know I do that kind of thing around having been a partner of someone with cancer, and it feels so good. It feels sort of like you're using your experience. At least for me, that that's very satisfying. Yeah, making connections. It's all about making connections, and because we're all connected. 
we just don't always know it. And there's so much beauty around, we just don't always see it. And sometimes it, somebody else helps us see it. Would you say that uh, going through cancer turned up the, the volume on that for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I lived pretty passionately before, you know, but my, it was pretty focused on the homeschool stuff. And so I ended up get graduating cancer and homeschooling kind of similar timing. And so my kids have been a little shocked at just the craziness that they've seen happen since cancer and since, you know, I'm not focusing on homeschool. Now I'm like, now I'm chasing more of my own dreams, mm. and just like they're chasing dreams. And I mean, I think we're all having the ride of our lives. And I think it we feel it so much deeper because of the really shitty ride we had for a couple years while I was going through treatment. Yeah, well, having that visceral sense that it's not, uh, nothing's guaranteed, it does put some zest in, <laughs> yeah. for, at least for me, and it sounds like for you. For sure. Uh, so are they all living in different parts of the country? You mentioned Denver. Yes, my daughter is at in Denver. She uh, lived with her husband, Gary, and he's going to seminary to be army chaplain. And she's a writer as well. And my sons are both at University of Cincinnati in journalistic fields as well. My husband is an engineer. He just wanted one engineer, but all of my artsy genes went down to my kids, and they're all writers. <laughs> and um, but, Well, bless you, homeschool. <laughs> you yeah, might have had a little yeah, influence there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, my boys are um, both graduating this coming year. Matt will graduate in, May, in uh, December, and then Mikey will finish up in in May so we will we'll have money again after and after this and, college year and you'll have a big old party too yes yes oh, uh, was, every time we can have a party through your entire book yeah. <laughs> a party for everything huh every time everything's a reason to celebrate uh-huh for sure so if you had to say what changed inside we're kind of talking about um you know, the outside changes to a degree. What do you think has changed inside of you? Um, I mean, I think that initial moment when uh, the doctor said the C word and my mommy gear kicked in and I realized I had absolutely no fucking time to waste to make sure that they missed me and uh, to make every moment I could with them. This intense focus and wanting to make every memory that I can with them. Intense focus. That's the way your book feels, too. Um, very intensely focused. Yeah, I mean, hopefully with a touch of humor just to lighten Oh, no, a more bit. than a touch. Yeah. But your, your, your humor has a certain intensity to it as well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. Um. Do you think your friends see the change? Because you obviously have very um, active community around you. And they went through it with you as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the interesting thing. I mean, you know, a lot of my, you know, you go through periods of life. And so that was a cancer period. And that was also the tennis period. And I'm not exactly in the tennis community, although, you know, we still keep in touch and I still keep in touch with all the homeschool people. But now we're all 
moving in different directions. And, um, you know, I think there's kind of a sense that, which is what my other book, The Bottoms Up, Getting Over Cancer, quote unquote, is about a lot of people, I think, need you to be done with it. And I mean, I hope cancer is done with me, but I don't really feel like I can be done with it because I have so many friends that I've met through this journey who are not done with it. So how can I be done with it? Because I'm going to walk through it with them like people walk through it with me, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And also, I'm not sure. Um, for me, it, it seems like, yeah, you don't want to live in fear, but you do want to live in awareness. It does make life um, very lively to be aware that it's not forever. Is yeah, that- I mean... But it's not forever for anybody. For it's anybody, just, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, it can come back. And, but then I can get, I can get in a wreck in, in Rome and almost die on a Vespa incident. Um, or, yes. Oh, my gosh. That was so quite an experience, you, too, huh? You, you just don't know. But the awareness is a beautiful thing. Just if, you'll, if you're willing to soak it all in and, and just go with it. Yeah. For sure. Um, but no, I don't live like a monkey on my back. I mean, I know I have this awareness that it can come back. And I have lots of friends who've had it come back. And I've, I've watched a lot of friends die. But you can't live there or you won't live. And I, I don't know if this is true for you, but it seems like it's possible to reach a point where... It's more of a um, of a wake up than a fear up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, that you're just um, in a space of appreciation more because you don't feel guaranteed of anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's time for our second break. In these few minutes, be sure to go to my host page, goodgrief at voicemerica.com or my website, www.weatheringgrief.com to contact me as a therapist, consultant, or speaker for your organization. And to reach Jules Evans, go to julesevans.com, and that's J-O-U-L-E-S-E-V-A-N-S. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. This is your host, Cheryl Jones. I've been talking with Jules Evans cancer activist and author of Shaken But Not Stirred, a chemo cocktail. Um, You know, you mentioned right before the break um, the experience of uh, hearing the C word with your kids. And I hope we could start this section with you reading that because I think it captured what you were talking about in terms of going through this really as a family so well. Okay. Um, I think this is the section you're looking for. The moment Dr. Stahl said the C word, my kids all succumbed to the gravity of the moment and fell to the ground, literally, in three separate piles. As I wrote in the preface, it was one of the most gut-wrenching mommy moments I've ever experienced because I desperately needed three laps and six arms right then. It was one of those moments when all that matters is crystal clear. That moment was the inciting incident in my life. It changed everything, like September 11th changed everything. And in the same vein, though obviously on a much lesser scale, of the whole reason we have a BC and AD calendar. Time stood still, and in that moment became a hinge that held me fast in the now. It was as if the earth had shaken. My kids fell to the ground. I dropped the pencil that I had drawn from behind my ear to take notes and went to gather them up in my arms. There's so much um, uh, abandon in that, just letting it be the way that it was. And, you know, I I think it does happen sometimes that people sort of hold it in and then you have to work your way out. So um, is that something you taught them to really, you know, previous to that, to really let themselves have their whatever their experience was and, um, you know, let it be? Or was it just such a big moment that it overcame everything? I mean, it was obviously a big moment that overcame everything, but I think that everything that went before prepared us for that moment. Um, I mean, that's definitely how we roll as a family. I mean, every day my kids will tell you this, I told them I wanted them to grow up and change the world and make it beautiful wherever they went and um, so I figured they would do it in different ways that I, than I will attempt to make the world you know beautiful where I'm at and and so I think it's all really important how they put put it on themselves like what they choose to do it has to be their choice whatever changing the world looks like on them mm. and um, so that was like the perfect homeschool moment to get to try to model that particular twist in the story. And also, uh, maybe I'm, I'm um, bringing some of my own experience here, but having kids and living close to cancer is a very different thing. Uh, you know, sort of 
helping them um, process it makes you a little less maybe um, concerned about yourself sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, like, especially there was such critical years for them. It was It was so important. I mean, I needed to get through it, but my focus was on getting them through it because I wasn't sure if I was going to be around. And so I just wanted to make sure. I mean, I was really just hoping and praying that I would get to see them all, you know, off and settled and moving in a direction of their their lives and dreams and, and get to, to see that. And I'm getting to see that right now. It's the coolest thing in the world. And it feels to me like that was, was you know, evident um, during, during it. Um, I'd really like to play the song that they wrote for you. It seems as if they had a lot to give back as well. It wasn't a one-way street. Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were my caretakers, and and they. This song is my favorite favorite song. Yeah, let's go to that clip. captures it huh <laughs> that must touch you a lot to 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 hear it yeah every single time it's on my running mix and yeah I listen to it all the time well especially because Amanda lives in Denver now so that's one another way to hear her voice Mm-hmm. for sure so Jules I know that your long-term goal is a cure for cancer but uh, I'm guessing you have other dreams, aspirations, where do, you, where do you see yourself? Obviously not specifically because it sounds like you meet the moment and see where it takes you, but what do you dream about? Oh, wow. Um, writing another book um, or two or three. I, mean, I, I, I love to write. That's where I play and that's where I find so much pleasure. Um, running a marathon I, I love doing things with the Dragonfly Foundation. Um, sometime this year, I'll be having my a, a bunch of my little Dragonfly friends uh, shaving my head for an event that we're having. So I'll be starting over the, the growth of my hair soon. But um, I'm figuring a lot of that out still. Like 
graduating cancer and homeschool at the same time and now having this empty nest, I mean, there's just so much I'm still trying to figure out, trying to figure out the best way to pay it forward, the best way to not, you know, waste this gift that I've been given of, you know, more time and um, chasing my kids around while they're chasing their dreams, which is my favorite thing and trying to leave some kind of a, a beauty mark. I mean, earlier you mentioned the Live Sincerely Project and that's something my friend Vanessa, who just recently passed away, started. And um, I mean, I don't know if I can, if I, if it's okay if I read this pledge that they have about the Live Sincerely Project, but... A- absolutely. I mean, this is kind of what I'm trying to work out. Um, I will live sincerely. I will learn from each person and each day on my journey and will share ideas and wisdom from my own experiences. With a grateful spirit, I will acknowledge my need for others and will in turn be loving and generous, remembering that every member of a community plays a unique role. I will remain strong in my convictions while keeping an open mind to perspectives beyond myself. Courageously, I will respect each movement of my heart through fear and joy, grief and peace. I will cultivate my passions with delight and also take time for honest introspection. I will love the person I am today while constantly striving towards my best self. I will keep a healthy balance between the rewards of discipline and the growth and wonder that spontaneity brings. I will acknowledge both the marvel and the limitations of my body and respectfully take care of it the best I can. Accepting the reality that there are circumstances I cannot change, I will seize my power to actively change that which I can control with hope and creativity. I commit to living each chapter of my story, honoring the lessons and gifts of my past, fully participating in the fleeting beauty of the present, and bravely walking towards the unknowns of my future, knowing that life is an enduring but glorious struggle. I pledge to live each day with purpose. I will live sincerely. That's beautiful. She must have been quite a person, too. Yeah, she's one of the SCAR Project girls um, from Cincinnati. And crazy enough, we met in New York at the premiere of the exhibit, and we worked together to bring it back here to Cincinnati. And and so uh, knowing her and being part of her Live Sincerely Project is, and the SCAR Project has pretty much changed me as much as uh, you know, cancer has changed me, kind of shifted things. Yeah, I, I wonder how you would ever get them apart, too. Yeah, probably won't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're getting, we're getting kind of near the end of our time together, and um, I've enjoyed it a lot. I hope you have. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next because I have a feeling it'll keep unfolding. Yes, let's hope so, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it will in one way or another, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you um you mentioned to me, but we haven't mentioned on the air that your kids' song is going on um on iTunes? Yes. What's the name of it, Jules? Um, it's the Cancer is a Bitch song or the Chemo Cocktail song. I think it might be hooked up with Shake and Not Stirred. But um, there, so it will be under my name on iTunes, but also the Kicked In Fence is the name of their band. And Kicked has a dash, Kicked In Fence. And they have other songs too, but that's my favorite. I'll bet it is. 
<laughs> and also the the quote you read, people can find out more about that at the Living Sincerely Project dot com. Yeah, the Living Sincerely Project. Yeah, great because I've I've gone on that website and it's it's quite beautiful. Yes, um, and what, there's more coming from that. that as well. Uh huh. Well, it's time for us to say goodbye, but I hope we'll keep in touch. Yes. Uh, it's been a wonderful hour, and thanks so much for being with me here. And again, you can find Jules at JulesEvans.com, J-O-U-L-E-S-E-V-A-N-S.com. Next week, I'm going to have with me Anne Kobitsky, the founder of the Look for the Good Project, which addresses difficulties in life by cultivating gratitude. She had her own difficulties and had the brainstorm to, um, to put notes uh, all over the place, uh, asking people what they're grateful for, and it turned into a very large project, and I'm very excited to talk with her. So that's the end of our time today. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management. 